Sundays on the CW. Brace yourself, superhero fans, because the bat signal is on and you won't believe who's swooping in to heed the call from the brilliant mind of Greg Berlanti and the executive producer of the superhero smash hit Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow comes the most anticipated new series to join the CW-verse. It's Batwoman. Get ready to meet your new hero, Kate Kane. She's a survivor like me, a fighter and an all-around badass who plays by her own rules and she's got the ink to prove it. Batwoman's story begins three years after the mysterious disappearance of Batman when Gotham City is in desperate need of a new kind of hero. Soon after returning home to defend her city from the notoriously twisted Alice in Wonderland gang, she discovers her cousin Bruce Wayne's mysterious lair and his unbelievable secret with the help of Batman's trusted tech genius Luke. She decides to carry on Batman's mission by becoming Gotham City's new superhero vigilante. From the suit to the gadgets to the fight scenes that will blow your mind, this is the Batwoman of a new generation. Don't miss the incredible series premiere of Batwoman Sunday at 8, 7 central on the CW or stream the next day on the free CW app. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. How about Seth? Do you like Seth? Maybe Nora? Nora? I like Seth. I'm going to call you Seth. Okay, Seth, this is a warning. If you are not a huge Mr. Robot nerd, this podcast is not for you. The following podcast contains copious amounts of analysis and speculation and rampant, ridiculous discussion about USA Network's Mr. Robot, debuting its final season on October 6th. The premiere is near. The podcast is back. An exceptional amount of nerdery is ahead. You have been warned. The final season of Mr. Robot is almost here, and now, finally, after more than a year away, we are finally getting started, getting back into it all. Hello, friends! It's the Mr. Robot Podcast here on Push Your Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by your friend in mind, my co-parent to the late Sunil Mobley Markesh, the one and only Antonio Mazzaro. Hello, friend. Hello, Josh. I had no idea we would be starting by eulogizing our dead son. <laughs> then you don't know me very well at all, because this is the one thing that I am still so hung up on with Mr. Robot. I do know there's part of you and me, and there's part of me and you, and we are two sides to the same coin. <laughs> yes. Two sides to the same coin. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Antonio, uh, it's been over a year since we've talked about Mr. Robot. Uh, it, it feels crazy to me. 
It's been more than over a year, right? It's like almost two years at this point, right? Getting close. I think uh, December 2017, right, is the last episode of season three, if I'm remembering that right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. It's been a long little while since we've uh, since we've had new episodes of Mr. Robot to talk about. It's just going to be a short little while at this point as this podcast is reaching your feeds. We are within spitting distance of the October 6th final season premiere of Mr. Robot. The final season is almost upon us. It's going to be 13 episodes and out. That's it. 13 more hours, uh, probably longer than 13 hours, but 13 installments of Mr. Robot remaining before we say goodbye, friend. How are you feeling in the face of that, Antonio? I'm feeling like the show is going out on its own terms, uh, on Sam Esmail's terms, and I'm very comfortable with that. We had always talked about on this podcast that the show probably had a four to five season arc. That's something that Sam Esmail, the creator, executive producer, showrunner, the auteur of this show has said pretty much from the jump uh, that this is what was arced out when they sat down to break season four. They looked at the story they had. They looked at how much they had left and said, you know what? I think this is it. I think season four is it. 13 episodes, Josh, the most episodes since we had season two. Uh, season two also had longer episodes than an hour in, in season two. So it was more than 13 episodes worth of TV's worth of material. So I don't know what this season will be like, but I do think, as far as Mr. Robot goes, that this is probably more like a, f- uh, a season and a half, would you say, uh, of story, not just a, a one season of story with a 13-episode order? Yeah, so Sam Esmail uh, had been saying in the fallout of season three that the ending was in sight, and along the way had been saying, like, wasn't quite sure if Mr. Robot would be a series that was worth four seasons, five seasons, somewhere in between that, and so I think the difference has been split. Uh, where rather than going with like two final seasons of shorter length, um, they're they're doing one mondo sized final season. So thirteen episodes, like you say, it's the it's the biggest one yet. To some people, that may be a little troubling. Uh, if there are people who are still triggered by season two, uh, I know that you and I have been a vocal champions of really all things Mister Robot. So uh, I don't think you and I are too mad about the episode length. Um, but I I think you're right. I think that what we're getting into is probably going to be fairly significant. Uh, on a on a story level compared to what we have gotten in the past, although at the same time, and people who are just tuning into this podcast for the first time may be getting like their first dose of Mr. Robot news at all. If you haven't seen trailers, if you haven't been reading anything about it, uh, but Antonio, this is a, the longest season yet, and yet it stands to cover like the least amount of time in, in Mr. Robot <laughs> history, uh, judging by the fact that this is uh, this is the Christmas season of Mr. Robot is <laughs> is. What we are getting into that uh, the 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 stage is set for one final season of thirteen episodes that is going to span I think uh, a little less than a week of real time story time based on uh, what has been said so far all surrounding the Christmas twenty fifteen holiday uh, that's exciting Kevin McAllister is shaking in his snow boots oh no uh, well you say it's going to cover perhaps the shortest period of time. But that, that's, of course, leaving out the time travel that's going to happen. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> Talk about triggering. It's going to cover <laughs> decades worth of time, I think, oh, at the end of God. this season, surely. Uh, yeah, we, we said the last episode, December 2017, we were nestled snug in our beds. Little did we know. Although, Josh, I think we've talked about Mr. Robot having a little bit of a, a touch of the Christmas uh, spirit from season two. Uh, so we speculated in the past what a Mr. Robot Christmas episode would look like. Turns out we're getting a whole season of Mr. Robot Christmas. 
pretty amazing. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so the premiere episode is October 6th. It's scheduled to run 10 p.m. to 11.03 p.m. Eastern. Record accordingly. Make sure you get those extra three minutes. You don't want to miss them. Antonio and I, we're going to be covering each and every episode. We would never leave you without saying goodbye, friend. Uh, the way this is going to work is Antonio and I are going to aim as often as possible to have podcasts ready for you to listen basically right after the episode airs on Sunday nights. That's the plan. Uh, we're going to aim for that. It could be as late as Monday mornings, but we are really going to try to be as close to air as possible. We want your feedback along the way. Plenty of ways you can do that. You can tweet at us. I'm at Round Howard. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. How many Zs? How many Rs, Antonio? I've forgotten. It's been so long. It's two Zs and one R, Josh, and the R is not for robot. It is not for robot. At Post Show Recaps is our Twitter account as well. Make sure to tag at Post Show Recaps. We're going to want all your feedback, but because of the way that we are recording these podcasts, it's very likely that we are going to have to like podcast shift your feedback. So your feedback for the season premiere will very likely be addressed in our 402 podcast. Your 402 feedback very likely going to our 403 podcast and so on and so forth. This is all in service of making sure that we get you our takes as quickly as possible. Antonio and I love this show and love talking about it. So I don't think that it's out of the question that we will be doing special podcasts along the way, like a mid-season feedback show, something like that. Uh, So we will definitely be talking with you back and forth all season long. Uh, You could subscribe. If you are not already subscribed to the Mr. Robot specific feed. That's postshowrecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes is our dedicated feed on Apple, but you can find us on your podcast app of choice. I think that's the business, Antonio. That's uh, MR Robot iTunes. Is that right, Josh? Yes, MR Robot. MR not. Yes, MR Robot iTunes is uh, the short link for our Apple feed. I will also say uh, that on Sunday night, on October sixth, after the uh, after the premiere episode drops on the Hollywood Reporter, I will have a big interview with the creator himself, Sam Esmail, talking about the final season premiere and nice. a little bit of preview stuff uh, going into the greater final season. Uh, that's both in article and podcast form. That's going to be oh, in, wow. in the series regular podcast that I do at the Hollywood Reporter, which may or may not uh, be a place that you may call home soon. Uh, uh, in the not too distant future, Antonio. Yes, TVD on that. Watch this space uh, for for more information for men, <laughs> for men talking about Watchmen potentially. Uh, so that wait a minute. So you got to you you sat down with Sam Esmail to record this podcast. Yes, yes. Did I, you uh, I did. did you by chance get to shake his meaty damn hand? I may or may not have shaken his meaty damn hand. So oh, uh, that nice. podcast that podcast is coming your way October 6th as well, or at least the article will TBD on the exact schedule of the podcast. But subscribe to Series Regular and you will be sure not to miss it. Really, really fun conversation coming your way. Um, Antonio, as we put out the bat signal, the bot signal uh, for for this Mr. podcast, the, the robot signal uh, for this podcast saying that we were coming back, we were going to be doing more of this, we, we've issued the call for feedback, and we're not going to have a ton of feedback to chew on this week because the vast majority of it was some version of, hey, so what happened on Mr. Robot? 
because I don't remember. Because, because it's been so long and people haven't had a chance to go back. People haven't had a chance to go back and do the deep dive into the ether. And this is a very complex, complicated show. Uh, Antonio, you and I are very professional individuals. And so, of course, we have gone back down the robot hole. Uh, I've done a full season one through season three binge in advance of returning to the final season. So the show is, is very fresh on my mind. Um, but I, I, I would love for you to illuminate the audience on, on the de- the details with which you, you went back and revisited Mr. Robot because I thought, I thought that the way that you did this was incredible. And I, I would love to hear more about your takeaways from the way that you went back and reengaged in the life of Elliot Alderson. Incredible. Well, I'll take it, but uh, I'm not sure that I would say it was incredible. For me, it was just born out of necessity and the idea that a Mr. Robot definitely engages in what we have on the podcast in the past referred to as circular storytelling. Uh, that idea that you'll see a scene uh, and then maybe later on in another season, you'll see the scene from a different point of view. And then maybe again in a later season, uh, you'll see an extended version of the scene from a totally different point of view uh, or in, in a way that you didn't imagine it before. And so my thinking is with Mr. Robot, uh, you always are best armed uh, to watch the the material from the show with the most knowledge. So I started by rewatching season three. I didn't go back and start with season one and build to season three like a, a normal binge. I started with season three and I rewatched season three mainly because I wanted to remember all of the facts from season three so that when I went back and watched one and two, I would, I would say, Oh, there's agent Santiago. He's a dirty FBI agent. Let me see agent Santiago from season two uh, and see where this starts. Let me remember the details of exactly how everything played out uh, with Philip Price, for example. Uh, and so by seeing the stuff, from season three. Then I went back and, and I watched season two. I didn't go back to season one. Again, I wanted the, the freshest version of the story uh, to refresh uh, the thing that related most directly to it, which was the second season. Uh, and then I went back and rewatched season one. I was also, Josh, uh, because I'm insane, re-listening to all of our podcasts throughout. I'm so jealous. I wish I had had the chance to do it. Also, like I think I would have uh, had a lot of moments of uh, sheer embarrassment re-listening to some of my old takes. I don't think that I, I would have had such a good time doing it. I had a little bit of that with my own takes, not with yours. Uh, and we did spend a lot of time uh, talking about things, uh, D- DDP, for example, uh, that, that just did not happen on the show or maybe happened in a slightly modified form uh, than we had thought. Uh, but it wasn't wasted breath because there were plenty of things we talked about in advance of them happening or plenty of things that we talked about that I think were still worth planting flags on or flags that were planted that have yet to be removed. Uh, And we can revisit some of that in this podcast today. But I will tell you, uh, it's fascinating because we talked in season three about things like Tyrell Wellick, for example, who now becomes a terrorist in season three, uh, who is responsible for the deaths of thousands and thousands of people. Uh, For those who don't recall, stage two of the plan against E-Corp was ostensibly to blow up one building where all their paper records were being housed, thus removing all of their financial records. In season one, of course, the data was encrypted uh, and there was no way to decrypt the data. And the only issue was that there were paper backups of the data that would take E-Corp a really long time to reassemble. Stage two, uh, which is mentioned in season two and then really takes the stage, if you will, in season three, was to destroy those paper backups. And 
E-Corp was having them all shipped to one building. However, Elliot, as Elliot, not as Mr. Robot, decided he was going to step in uh, and re, uh, let's say, just re, let, let, rejigger the events of how that was going down. So he moved the paper from place to place, never to New York. He created this massive confusion about where the paper records were housed. And he thought that would be enough to thwart this plan. He found out that unbeknownst to him, Tyrell Wellick and maybe the Mr. Robot side of him on some level were working on the plan without Elliot's knowledge. And what Elliot realized at some point, I think around episode five or six of season three, is that he needed to stop what was going to happen. This explosion was going to happen, even though the paper records weren't there. They were still going to blow this building up. Elliot and Mr. Robot come to this understanding. They don't blow the building up. And then we realize, no, they blew every single other building 71, up. 71 71 buildings. other Thousands buildings. Of Thousands of people. And this was Tyrell Wellick's plan. This is a long way of me saying that when we watched this in season three, we said, you know, there's no coming back for this. Uh, for, or there's no coming back from this for Tyrell. There's no way we can look at him the same way after what he has done. I got to tell you, when you watch the story backwards, it doesn't play that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a bad guy. But then you watch him in season two and you're like, he's barely in the show. But the times he's in the show, you realize he's scared. He's crazy. And then you watch season one. And in season one, he does some horrible things. But I, I, I got to say, it just plays differently. You, you don't end in the same place that you would uh, if you had just watched it linearly. You, you go backwards. And what's really funny about this is after the 71 buildings were blown up and Angela Moss played a role in that, she goes nuts. And starts watching TV and using a DVR function to rewind and say, look, if you rewind, they're all alive. I got to tell you, it happens the same way if you watch the seasons out of order. Uh, things get reset. Things haven't happened. And what's interesting to me, of course, is season three ends with Elliot finding a way through uh, something that Mr. Robot had put in place, unbeknownst to Elliot, finding a way to undo the hack to fix the problems that he created from the start. He can't bring those buildings back, but he can restore the data so that there isn't much as, as much upheaval in society. He presses the button at the end of season three. And so we're left with wondering, are we back kind of to where we were in season one uh, with the characters having changed as a result of what they've experienced? So it is very interesting to know how season three ends to then go back and watch season one having, you know, at, at season three ends. I, I finished season three. Elliot undoes the hack. Then I go back and watch season two. The hack is still in play, but then I'm, I'm back in season one and the hack hasn't happened. And I'm thinking, wow, is this what season four is going to be like when I started up? Like, are we going to reset and no hack has happened, but you can't go home again, Josh. So I have a feeling it's not just going to be simple stuff uh, where we restart and Elliot's back at all safe and, you know, the world is reset. Things have changed significantly. And I think that's the Mr. Robot of season four we're going to find. But it is it is very interesting to go back and rewatch them in a different order like that. And different details definitely emerge. It's interesting. The idea that I think is expressed on Mr. Robot through a lot of different characters of, you know, the the old adage of you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Right. And I think that that was the the conventional wisdom through much of Mr. Robot that after the 5-9 hack and after Elliot and F Society strike against E-Corp the way they do and basically descend the world into chaos and there's that long ago meeting between Elliot and Darlene where F Society is formed and Elliot as Mr. Robot putting on uh, the, the, the mask and putting on the robot jacket and talking about how taking E-Corp down is actually relatively easy. It's what comes after that's going to be the hard part and 
And we saw the hard part through season two. We saw it in season three. And season three ends on this relatively hopeful note of Elliot finding out that he himself had the keys to to retrieve the, the, the missing data, the missing E-Corp data all along, because it turns out that as much as Mr. Robot exists as a personality within Elliot, Elliot himself exists as a personality within Mr. Robot, which sets us up very nicely for maybe some co-op mode uh, between Elliot and Robot. Will these two be on the same level for the first time? Maybe ever, really? Will they be able to fully trust each other finally? And what does that look like, I think, is a really exciting aspect of this final season. Um, but h- how much damage are they really able to undo, even by, quote-unquote, reversing 5-9, or at least stopping um, some of the impact from from continuing with 5-9, just because they are able to to rediscover the, the hacked data uh, and maybe bring E-Corp back from the brink and therefore bring uh, you know the, the financial instability and the just literal instability of the world that Mr. Robot exists in back to something closer to center. That doesn't mean thousands of people suddenly are alive again, right? Like that doesn't right. mean that people who have died along the way are suddenly alive again. But I think that one of the things that I'm most curious about thematically as Mr. Robot moves forward is this idea of like, can you do? Can you have done something incredibly drastic, something that is literally irreversible? And move move forward into doing something that counterbalances it, or at least begins to atone for it. And so well, I think I think that that's yeah. something that that the show is primed to explore through Elliot. But I think that it's also potentially primed to explore that with, as you say, a character like Angela, who participated in the cyber bombings and is you know de- desperately trying to rewind news footage to bring people back to life. Can she come back from this rock bottom that she seems to be at? Or Tyrell, who is the person who maps out this plan, who takes this several steps further beyond what even Mister Robot had intended? Uh, is this somebody who? because we know his history a little bit more on the show and know that at his heart, he's actually a little bit pathetic. He's a, he's a pretty weak person. He's somebody who wants to feel very powerful. Can we find some measure of empathy for a man who is as responsible for the cyber bombings as Tyrell Wellick? I think if Mr. Robot can pull these things off, that's going to be a hell of a magic trick, Antonio. It is. And we, what you're talking about is, is something we've talked about on this podcast a lot in season three when Elliot is contemplating taking his own life. Uh, delete me. He says the thing about deletion is that it's not always permanent. And that's when he's discovering that there may be a way to undo the hack. Um, that's when he's changing his mind about taking his own life, as I was saying. And the question about deletion being always permanent and whether you can undo these horrible things. That has been at the heart of Mr. Robot since the beginning of the show. The, the inciting incidents, if you will, uh, were the deaths of Edward Alderson and uh, Mrs. Moss, uh, a- Angela's mother, uh, because of the Washington Township nuclear power plant leak. And Elliot trying to undo that and Angela's pursuance of that have been huge parts of their motivation throughout the entire run of the series. And I, we're finding through the actions of uh, that Elliot's taken and through what Angela has experienced is that that can't be undone and that maybe in pursuance of trying to undo that, you're going to cause more damage. Those deaths did not occur on the show. Uh, well, at least we saw, I think, what happened to Edward Alderson on the show, but in a flashback. 
But a lot of people have died, and not just the several thousand people that died in the explosions, but characters. Uh, Gideon Goddard, Elian's boss from season one at Allsafe, one of the true decent people on the show, one of the people that Elliot hacks, that Elliot doesn't have anything negative to say about. Uh, Romero, one of the people from F Society. God, we already talked about and eulogized Josh Mobley, Trenton. Joanna Wellick has been taken off the board. Cisco has been taken off the board. In season one, the horrible moment when we lose Shayla. Uh, season three ends with White Rose's assistant Grant taking his own life in pursuance of the Dark Army cause. Uh, and we have Madam Executioner taken off the board by Darlene. We have Sharon Knowles taken off the board by Tyrell. Josh, Santiago, to say nothing of all these people, these people that have died on in the course of the show, some of whom their deaths are directly linked to our characters, some of whom they're, they're certainly uh, tangential uh, or lost as a result of the actions taken. So the, the question whether you can move on from that or counterbalance it is something that Elliot personally has been struggling with at the beginning of season three when he marches down the road in his head and he sees uh, what could happen as a result of the actions he's taken. He comes upon a memory wall of people and those are the names he sees up there. He sees Gideon. He sees Shayla. He sees people that he feels directly responsible for the deaths of and that definitely motivates the action he takes throughout season three. So these are the things that push our characters within the context of this show. Season four will certainly examine that. I want to also talk about Josh something we talked about on the podcast a ton including with former writer producer from Mr. Robot Corradana uh, was how this show does a lot to characters like Philip Price for example uh, who maybe come off initially as the worst people in the world the 1% of the 1% but as we learn more about them as we see more about them maybe we start to feel like we could be on their team Josh I know you've been podcasting with your wife uh, Emily here at Post Show Recaps about Succession a show about terrible people terrible that, people that we still find some <laughs> way to, that we still find some way to root for and that is the, the the secret sauce the genius of that show is finding empathy empathy in some of those incredible performances uh, but I, I think there are room there's room for that with some of the characters on this show we talked about Tyra Wellick Philip Price is one of them really any of the the horrible characters on this show maybe save White Rose I do think that there's an opportunity uh, for us to see different shades of them I think it's something as we heard directly from the Mr. Robot writers room last season there is interest in the show exploring that uh, and I, I'm fascinated to see how that plays out in season four yeah I think that uh, like you say I think that that is the secret sauce I think I think a show like this um, is not on for as long as it's been on is not in a position to end on its own terms uh, if we were not invited to be really invested in these characters and these characters have done awful things many of them anyway uh, and the fact that we're still um, we're still so on the hook to find out what's going to happen to them and probably nothing good for most of them I mean this, this, is, yeah. this has been a very don't let that litany of deaths I read uh, persuade been, you opposite well it's been a very lethal show and I, I see no reason to expect that the final season will be anything different. If anything, I think it'll be worse. Uh, and and I and I, I don't know how I I don't know if I'm necessarily mad at that. You know, I I think uh, can can shows be a little kill happy? Yes, I absolutely think so. Sometimes uh, a good drama is um, too shy in in killing its darlings. I think that uh, finding that sweet spot in between can be a little bit of a of a tricky balancing act. But I do think that this has been a series about um, 
uh, physical deletion and then what's left over from, you know, the from like the residuals of, of a person in terms right. of their impact on you and especially as uh, people have impacted Elliot uh, specifically. So I expect we'll probably lose more people along the way in, in dramatic fashion, um, but hopefully not without some of these moments that you're talking about of uh, being able to like kind of stop and meditate and, and really like fully realize why people were the way that they were, uh, how people have become who they have become. I think it's important to remember what Mr. Robot started as. Uh, this was going to be a feature film uh, initially from from Sam Esmail before it evolved into becoming uh, a full-fledged uh, dramatic series of television. Um, and I think that the, the specifics of the feature film remain pretty rightfully under lock and key because I think if we were to know the full extent of what Esmail had planned for that movie, we would probably be able to call some shots on how this thing is going to land. I think the ultimate ideas that Sam was playing with are probably still very much in play here. Um, but when you think about a feature film, there was no way that there was room for like Fernando Vera. There was no room for, you know, the great Tyrell Wellick arc that we have been able to enjoy. I bet Philip Price isn't like a huge piece of the Mr. Robot feature right. film. I bet that it's Elliot and Mr. Robot and maybe like a couple of others like Angela, Darlene, um, White Rose has White Rose has really manifested as end game uh, end boss material it seems like um, but a lot of these other people are show inventions and I think a lot of these other people are characters that that Esmail and his team of writers have grown to understand and grown fond of and have grown to probably loathe at some points in some ways but in ways that they have enjoyed loathing along the way um, so those are the people I think like just about anybody who isn't really 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 central to the narrative of Elliot Alderson I would be very nervous about along the way here in the final season so you're um, saying that's the Philip Price or the Dominic yes, DiPiero exactly. or yeah. Krista uh, maybe, exactly or which I hate Leon to think about or Irving that, yeah, or, yeah, yeah exactly any of those people any of those people I think that we are we are very primed uh, and ready to to lose here. Can we can we just if for me make one of them that we lose Ollie? Can we do that? <laughs> yeah, but I my my concern with that Antonio is like the way in which we so fiercely manifested uh, Mobley's death by being like anybody but Mobley, please anyone but Mobley. You can have anybody but our son. And then in the very next episode, I believe when we had said that uh, Mobley is just immediately killed uh, by. The <laughs> the end of that episode anyway uh so i feel like if we say like uh please just take ollie kill ollie remove ollie from the board angela's <laughs> shitty ex-boyfriend kill that guy uh then he's going to be the last man standing and so yeah, the I don't, show ends with yeah, ollie as president he's right, on the yeah. iron throne yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so i don't White rose having puppeted him in there i don't need that i don't need no, that you're right you're right that you're right you're right you're right so yeah okay but you're right uh and i i just i you're you're saying the stuff about the film I, I just I do think, like I said, the if you're talking about the DNA of the show and the original DNA of the show, the original DNA of the show is based on the inciting incident that created everything being the loss of Mr. Alderson and Mrs. Moss. And I, I think that that is still a primary factor uh, in the motivations of, of what happened it, that if it has morphed into, can you undo these other deaths or can you, can you do something to counteract the other losses you've suffered along the way? I'm okay with that, but I think that that's still having gone back and seen season one first now, 
having watched everything else, I'm, it was a, a good stark reminder, a good reminder of that, a good reminder of where this show began in terms of the motivations. Elliot says it to Ron uh, or Rohit at Ron's Coffee in the first five minutes of the show. Like, yeah, I only, the only person I ever had to talk to was my dad, and he died. The company's fine, though. Like, that is on Elliot's mind from the jump, from the beginning of the show. And so I, I think this, thematically, it has evolved, but it is still the core of this show, uh, is whether how you process that. That loss. It's something Elliot has been dealing with his whole life uh, and clearly is impacting him greatly. And I think it was is something that uh, thematically we'll see continue throughout the course of the season, even if it's not about those two individuals specifically. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, heading in to the final season, Antonio, what else is on your mind in terms of what needs to be addressed, what needs to be resolved, or maybe just any takeaways you had from the way in which you engaged Mr. Robot in your reverse binge that you did um, heading into the final season that you think might be useful for people who are uh, who are trying to get primed and ready to go before Mr. Robot returns. Well, let's jump right into this. I joked about it earlier, but I want to get where your head is at uh, in terms of as you approach season four. Something that has been referenced throughout the context of this show is whatever this project is that White Rose is working on. We learned throughout the show that the project is what likely caused the death of Mr. Alderson and Mrs. Moss, that this is something White Rose has been working on for a really long time, that Mr. Alderson contributed a lot of technology to the project. We've seen inside the belly of the beast in season three. We see inside whatever it is, whether it's a particle accelerator or some giant project, and we are given to understand that what White Rose is trying to do is no sh- nothing short of trying to penetrate multiple multiple dimensions, trying to alter space and time. And that this project is the reason that White Rose does everything that White Rose does. It is what saves Elliot's life at the end of season three, when he very well should have been taken off the board by the Dark Army, is this huge pitch to White Rose that he can get her project moved to the Congo, something she is desperate to do uh, to, we don't know why. And we'll talk about whether or not, you know, that's something we want answered. But this project, Josh, is this project, and maybe even in conjunction with how many people who have died, or the theme about whether deletion is always permanent or if you can move on, is this project something you think we're going to get a definitive answer, yes or no, it works or it doesn't work, in the context of season four? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I feel like... I feel like to come down on one side of that or another would probably feel less dramatically interesting, ultimately. Um, though I will say, I will say, I know that along the way here on these podcasts, I've been pretty like thumbs down and like, please don't bring time travel into this. Like, one of the things that's great about Mr. Robot is that it's grounded in reality, uh, and the ways that it gets experimental is how it can deal with mental health and how it can, um, visualize that and how it can play with that structurally on television. Um, but but as as far as like actually getting into altered realities, alternate realities, like that feels like maybe a little too far for me. But watching the whole series back again in in really quick succession, I mean, for me, it took uh, maybe three weeks at the most to to go from the season one premiere all the way through the the season three finale. And I watched most of season three uh, in one sitting on an airplane ride. I think it was three through ten that I watched in one interrupted chunk. Uh, I, they are the, the groundwork for something like this. The groundwork for some sort of time travel, something or other is absolutely there 
should the show choose to pursue it. But I think that what's also uh, been built into the canal of Mr. Robot is that we could be left to interpret some sort of time travel type of thing ourselves while also wondering if it's just another uh, symptom of Elliot's um, mental state. Interesting. Uh, is it something that is actually happening or is it something that Elliot is experiencing in his mind? So I, I expect that the ambiguity is still going to be there, but I relent and admit that I think that the possibility for it to actually happen very much does exist and wouldn't be unearned. It might be unpalatable for some people, uh, but I don't think that it would be without um, a lot of work to have gotten us there. Let me just reset what you're saying and make sure I understand it. What you're saying is season four could end with a character suggesting that they had been through the machine and it was left to us to decide whether we believe that character that they had traveled through this machine or not. Yeah, and if you don't believe this person, then you're just soulless, and I don't understand you fundamentally. <laughs> I got it. Just checking. Just making sure I wanted to reset that. Okay. Yeah, I, the thing is, not only are... I agree with you about it being baked into the show. Uh, in rewatching, definitely makes that clear, even though we have... A thousand in, Back to the Future references. Andrea. Yes. The thousand Back to the Future references, from soundtrack to overt holding of the DVD to showing up and watching the movie in person. Uh, it's there. It's baked into the show. In the same way that there was a lot of Christmas stuff baked into the show that we are now about to see pay off. The Kevin McAllister of it all was like a fundamental piece yeah. of Elliot's origin, that Elliot and Mr. Robot potentially were born on the day that Elliot jumped from the window, uh, from the window on a wintry day, right? Like, right. I mean, like, Christmas has been baked in from the jump, and we're about to see that that's paying off. Why wouldn't time travel be something that's paying off on Mr. Robot in the final season? Well, and ho holidays in general and just the, the way Elliot approaches the world through the experiences that he's had, Back to the Future 2 being his favorite movie, uh, what we don't know, Josh, and I think what the interesting part of this story is and what, what I want to plant a flag in for season four are some of these questions about the project. Why the Congo, for example? We've heard references to the Colton mines in the Congo, whether or not there's some material that that's needed as part of this project. I don't know if we're going to get deep into the specifics on that, but I wonder that. I wonder how did the project itself lead to a toxic leak? I don't know what this particle accelerator does or doesn't do, but it doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that would lead to a toxic leak. So I don't know. We also don't know, Josh, and I think this is the most important part. Why? Why does White Rose want to do whatever it is White Rose is trying to do? Uh, we know what other characters' motivations are. We've talked about on this very podcast just now now, why Elliot was pursuing these actions against E Corp. He had these multitude of surface reasons trying to free Angela of student debt, trying to erase the invisible hand, getting at this corporation, etc. We know really his personal motivation was everything that happened with his father. White Rose has said Elliot's direct animus and anger against E Corp is the most valuable thing that she has used in her work with Elliot, that his rage and his pure unbridled hate of E Corp is what has made him so useful. So we know what Elliot's motivations are. We don't know about White Rose. Do you have any indication or belief uh, or anything that you saw in your rewatch? Why or any suggestion that we might want to pursue that in season four? Yeah, I think we have to pursue that in season four. I think um, for, for White Rose, to just be a Bond villain is not going to be satisfying enough. And I think even with the Bond villains, we know sometimes why they're doing what they're doing, right? 
Yeah, and we don't really understand why White Rose is doing what right. White Rose is doing. Um, and we don't really understand also how White Rose is able to do what White Rose is doing. And I'm not talking about it like technologically. I'm talking about it financially. Like, how was White Rose able to get into a position to be like the filthiest, richest person on the planet, or at least so powerful as to control so many filthy, rich people, to be somebody who is so deeply feared by so many people and to have, um, you know, her finger in so many different pots globally around the world. Uh, I feel like we need to get answers to that. I think that we need to get answers to why White Rose feels so strongly about pursuing this project. Um, we, we know in like relatively private moments, like if you think back to season two and one of the, the great first uh, Dominic DiPiero scenes, uh, she'd been on the show already for, for a little while at that point, but I think one of the best early scenes with her is where she's with Minister Zhang, aka White Rose, in China, and White Rose talks to DDP about all these, you know, some people believe that there's there are alternate realities playing out right now where the five nine hack didn't right. happen. And I find the idea quite moving, and she's crying uh, to this person who she believes is probably going to die the next day, uh, you know, in a in a in an attack on on the FBI. Um, so we know at the very least, we have seen at the very least how much these contemplations move White Rose. But why? Why do they move her so much? Why is she so dead set on doing this crazy, crazy thing or potentially this incredibly life changing thing? Right. Like if she fully right. be- if she fully believes that what she is doing is for the betterment of mankind and for the for the evolution of the human species and to pivot us away from uh, all of the awful things that are consuming our culture and our, our planet um, in this like very like, you know, terrifying fashion that you know it, it has manifested in with so many ruthless acts taken on by the dark army i feel like we've got to know that stuff and we've got to know how she's been put into a position to be able to do this stuff and i think we especially uh need to see some of this because i think that the 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 fact that white rose is being clarified as sort of like final boss material coming out of season three and heading into the final season really positions her so interestingly as uh uh, a comparison and contrast point to Elliot. Uh, Elliot, who himself deals with duality. Elliot, who himself has another side of himself that often he has to hide from the world, but when working in concert with this other side of himself can make him more powerful, potentially. Uh, White Rose is very similar, where White Rose is a woman who has to present to the world as a man. Uh, White Rose is the is the the queen of the greatest uh, hacker network on the planet, if not, you know, if, if that might be under selling what she's the queen of and she's also in the in the front facing world uh minister zhang a highly important person in the chinese government um but is a fairly young person for somebody who has all of this power especially compared to philip price who uh love you michael christopher but no spring chicken uh and and i dare you and and i think like when you think about when when white rose had to be developing out the washington township project and and had to be building out these sorts of things White Rose couldn't have been that old, right? Like maybe not terribly far away from how old Elliot is. So I think that there are a lot of opportunities to dig back into White Rose and maybe potentially get us to a place with White Rose. Because you mentioned White Rose as a character who is a little bit one-dimensional right now, uh, is somebody who isn't as fully fleshed, where we even feel some sympathy for um, you know a Philip Price or a Tyrell Wellick who is literally responsible for thousands of deaths. And we haven't gotten that with White Rose yet. 
if the tradition on Mr. Robot is to get you feeling many different kinds of ways about a person, uh, and we only have 13 episodes left to go, and we have somebody as such a high-stakes player as White Rose, I feel like we have to get there here in the final right. season. So you're saying you want multi-dimensionality from White Rose. It's perfect. You're yeah, rooting for this twist. Oh, I, 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 I don't know about that. <laughs> you're but, rooting for it. That's fantastic. But, but, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting to, to find out why she is, because I think that's the most important thing. So in in re-listening to everything we talked about, uh, we we have we've planned we've planted lots of flags about White Rose in this regard, or that's been something we've talked about a lot. But one of the things you were desperate for, Josh, at the end of season two and throughout season three, was what did White Rose show Angela about this project to convince Angela and to get Angela so on board that Angela was willing to take actions in for the Dark Army ultimately to become a Dark Army operative. Angela, I don't think. didn't realize at the time that thousands of people were going to die, but she certainly had a hand in that. Do you still desperately need to know what White Rose showed Angela to convince her? Yeah, I, I, I think so, at least as far as Angela's concerned, right? Because I, I don't think that the show can keep, um, I don't think that the show can afford to like keep having Angela mystery box it, right? Like I think like a, a, before long, Angela has to be able to share what it is she believes, like what it is she experienced with White Rose. I feel like that's got to happen fairly early in us in order for us to be able to be on board with Angela's arc moving forward. Um, so yeah, I st- I still feel like I need that, um, but I I think. What's it, it's less important to me that like I'm convinced of White Rose's plan. You know what I mean? Like I don't need that. Whatever White Rose showed Angela doesn't need to convince me that White Rose's plan is possible because I believe that Angela is a convincible person, and I think that going back uh, through Mister Robot really convinced me of that. That she is somebody that signs on to bad ideas pretty easily, pretty fast. Uh, you go back to the first season, and Cisco is the one who tries to recruit. Ob- into basically um, into like installing malware at Allsafe, right? Uh, and Angela's the one who like very quickly is like, I'm going to do it because I need to do it uh, because otherwise, like, I'm in big trouble financially and this would be very risky for me. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to go and, and accept the blackmail and I'm going to go and do it. Uh, and by the end of the season, you know, she's been crusading against E Corp. She's been crusading against Terry Colby, and then she gets offered this job at E Corp by Terry Colby, who's like, if you join E Corp, maybe you could actually do some damage from within. Maybe that could be more effective. And very quickly in the very next episode, in the space of real time within the show of like two, three days tops because 5-9 happens, she's on the PR team and she's one of the bad guys. And in season two, she's very very hooked in and very focused on being part of Equip. All of this is to say, then she gets converted in the space of 20 minutes by White Rose. All of, yeah. this, is, all of this is to say is that Angela is has been very moldable along the way. So what I need to see from White Rose and from Angela's perspective is just something that I believe that Angela would believe. And then I am satisfied. But yeah, I think that I need to see that in order to buy Angela moving forward. That's a really good way to put it, uh, that you need to see something that Angela would believe. And the truth is that Angela would believe a lot. Uh, Angela is able to compartmentalize, too, in season two, before she ends up becoming uh, where she where she ends up. She helps put the femme to sell in and she runs into Cisco, the guy that said all this horrible life 
life-changing shit for her in motion. She sees him in Madame Executioner's house with uh, the F Society group and doesn't even acknowledge it. Like, Cisco very much knows who Angela is. Angela very much knows who Cisco is. And yet Angela just sweeps it aside. So, you know, we're going to deal with this. It's fine. So she is able to put a lot of those things aside. She works against Elliot, lies to her best friend, and is working with Mr. Robot and Tyrell at the beginning of season three. She is not ultimately somebody who plants her stakes in the ground ideologically and stays there. And what we find out through the course of season three, especially, but but before that in season two and in season one, she's really trying to do the same things Elliot's doing. She's just going about it a different way. Uh, Neither is any less real, really responsible for a lot of the bad things that have happened, but they're both going about it their own ways, trying to process or deal with the fact that their parents were unfairly taken from them at an early age. And that is a huge motivating factor for Angela throughout. We hear her say, like, I just wanted to try to get my mom back. Like that's what she's saying uh, as she's trying to process the fact that all these thousands of people have died Uh, She's saying things like that to Darlene, and we know that that's her motivation. So uh, they have a lot of the same motivations. They take a lot of the same paths, uh, but Angela's is a little more winding. uh, And so whatever White Rose showed Angela convinced uh, Angela. And at some point, uh, Elliot and White Rose were on the same team as well. So it's not at all surprising that Angela would get there. And I I don't necessarily need to see anything, uh, but I was curious for for sure about you, because that had been something uh, you were adamant about throughout. I'm also curious, Josh, about Mr. Robot structurally and the way the seasons have been organized. In season one, we had the massive twist. I am Mr. Robot. That was the, the something that, as fans, the show recognized. Fans would have noticed this. Elliot says to us, his imaginary friend, you knew all along, didn't you? He gets upset with us because we knew and didn't tell him. So so much to the point that the twist in season two is that he's lying to us and he's not actually in prison uh, and that he has been creating a different reality that we as his friend are seeing. Uh, and so that's the twist in season two. Season three, the twist that we find out at the end uh, is that Philip Price has been Angela's father all along. Uh, it makes for a very interesting rewatch as you see the season, the scenes between them throughout. We also find out the twist on a story that we have heard from the beginning of the show uh, that Ellie jumped out a window instead of being pushed by his father. Uh, We heard even in episode two that he was pushed for revealing the secret about his dad. He has said it throughout that he was pushed. He was pushed. Season two starts with a version of that scene where it is not clear if he was pushed or jumped. We find out by the end of season three that he jumped out this window. What that says is that Elliot had mental issues, that Elliot had a lot of the problems that Elliot has long before his father ever died. So what we're really dealing with in Elliot is a person who had these problems and then who also had to deal with the death of his father uh, not someone whose problems were caused by the death of his father which i think is an important distinction what i want to know from you josh though is season four do you expect a twist do you expect something to be changed uh, that changes the way we view these previous seasons and if so what are the key places where that twist might be uh, present It's a great question. I mean, I think absolutely, right? Like, I think that there are going to be events that occur here in the final season that will uh, necessitate yet another rewatch when when it's all said and done, if you want to have full clarity over the whole scope of Mr. Robot. But what those things are, that's a a great question that I don't feel fully prepared to answer. I think a lot of that, like for, for season two, the fact that so much of it was taking place with Elliot in prison... Um, and that's not revealed to us until a little bit, either 
just halfway through or just past halfway through. I think it's like seven or eight is where that where that goes down of twelve. So I think a little after uh, after the halfway point. Um, but could you have like guessed that that was going to be a thing until you started getting into the second season? I don't think so. So I think that whatever like. Um, whatever sort of like game changing season in review moment is to come, I think it's too hard to guess right now. Uh, maybe it's that season four actually takes place during Hanukkah and not Christmas. Uh, could be, could be the big one. It takes place over eight crazy nights. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to. I, I don't have an idea about this specifically, but I want to talk about a few places where maybe it could uh, take place. Uh, and the first one I want to start with uh, is is Elliot. And uh, this is something I sent to you about a week ago, just in text as I was watching it. Uh, Elliot's mom. Uh, she was a super negative presence in season one, uh, in flashbacks and retold stories. In season two, she was his fake prison totem. And then we realized he wasn't in jail. Uh, and the first place Elliot went when he got out was to see her. Um, she was not really present in season three. What's interesting to me is considering that Elliot often manifests like the seemingly very different and much more negative version of Mr. Alderson than we see in flashbacks. Uh, the Mr. Robot part of Elliot is pure chaos. The Mr. Alderson part uh, that we saw in, in flashbacks, and which are I think are meant to be canon uh, and not Elliot's version of memory but actual memory um, is is nice. He's a good guy. He protects Elliot from a, this horrible shoplifter that come and he takes Elliot's side. Uh, when Elliot has had this problem at school and Mr. Uh, Alderson picks him up early and tells him he's sick, um, he tells him about the story. He's very nice and kind and caring. We find out that he didn't push him out the window as we previously thought that Elliot jumped. And so Elliot has manifested this very negative version of Mr. Alderson throughout and therefore manifested a negative version of his home life. We heard that he wants to ride when he's going to town on the safe part, but when he comes home, he wants to be on the dangerous part of the train. Darlene wanted to be with a kidnapper more than she wanted to go home. And yet we've seen good, nice Mr. Alderson. So Mrs. Alderson seems like this horrible person who must have been doing all these things. Uh, I'm just wondering, do you think the show even has room for this anymore? Or the fact that we push her aside in season three means she's not Breaking Bad, one of the all-time great TV shows shows um walter white's mother is a presence on the show like she's mentioned walter uses her as an excuse like oh, i was going to visit my mom we never meet her we never find out what walt's childhood must have been like to put him at the point he was in in breaking bad we know a lot about mrs alderson but i'm wondering do we know the accurate version of mrs alderson i think probably to some degree um because darlene seems to really have a hate in for her as well Right. Um, and like so I said, I, she'd rather be kidnapped. Right. So I, I think that there's there is a level of accuracy with the what we've heard about um, Elliot's mom, Elliot and Darlene's mom, because of the Darlene component. Um, I think that with Elliot's father, like there's never really been anybody who's been like shit talking Edward Alderson, right? Like Darlene doesn't seem to have a bad word to say about him. Um, but as for the question about do we have the time? Do we have the space? Yeah, we've got 13 episodes. Uh, a lot can go down. And I think, again, like it, there have been flashpoints of Elliot's mother along the way. So for her to rise in prominence here 
in the final season um, would not come out of nowhere for me. This is a show that has a lot of very strong women in its cast of characters, uh, whether it's Angela or White Rose or Darlene or DDP. Uh, we have issues of, of motherhood on this show as it pertains to Angela and her mom. Um, for, you know, we, we've had Joanna Wellick and, and, you know, the impact of, uh, of a harsh mother on, on a child and like, you're left to like kind of extrapolate what the poor Wellick, uh, you know, the the, uh, the 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 wander lost. Uh, Santiago made that baby a statistic, Josh. You, you know the statistic that is the infant uh, of Tyrell and Joanna just traveling the world like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Like we don't know where the where 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 it went, where he went. Uh, but what is the impact of losing your mom going to be on that kid? Uh, I think that that is very much in play in the language of Mister Robot right now. So with so much time still on the clock, but only so much time still on the clock. It would not be unfair to me at all if Mr. Robot really wanted to play around with the fact that his relationship to his mom uh, is is very important to who he's become uh, well, and could end up being very important to the show's endgame. And it was very important in season one. Uh, the most important. Anytime Elliot would have a flashback, he would see his mom berating him or his mom abusing him. We even had the, fa- the flashback to the night Mr. Alderson died and she was happy. She was celebrating. She said, oh, it's not a bad night at all when Elliot was waiting for the bus. So there are all those moments. Another reason, though, that I brought it up is I think another place the show has room to explore a different version of events, if you will. One of the things we speculated a lot as I went back and listened to these podcasts, and that is in the DNA of the show, is at what point was Elliot incepted, if you will? Or, or was it was he ever? Did White Rose make contact with Elliot at any point? Or did agents of the Dark Army make contact with Elliot at any point in order to mold or shape him into something they could use? How did, the, how did Elliot and Darlene learn how to hack, for example? Is it something their father taught them? Was it inherent in them? Or is it something that in the wake of their father's death and with a horrible mother that they were taken in by someone? Or were they, were they at any point in any way influenced along the path that they're on uh, by White Rose, a young White Rose, as you're talking about, or younger agents of the Dark Army. And and that's something I think the show could pull the curtain back on a little bit to say that, oh, what I thought was Elliot's pure motivation throughout was actually manipulated motivation, Uh, that this is a seed that was planted in him, a different version of events, or was there something that was done to Elliot or Darlene from an early age to affect this? We speculated a lot about this when when... Darlene tells the story about being kidnapped, about how a woman took her away. We speculated, well, could this be somebody we saw on the show? Like, could this be somebody, uh, another character that we know? Uh, but I do think it's possible for this show, if they're, if they're using the 13 episodes and they want to go back and tell stories, uh, to tell uh, a story where White Rose or the Dark Army had an influence on a younger Elliot and Angela, or, and Angela, but especially Darlene. Uh, and in that way, their actions were, were, let's say, intelligently designed, uh, rather than evolved. Yeah, I mean, I think you don't need to look much further than the Angela, I am your father. Like, I don't think you need to look much further than the fact that Angela's the daughter of the CEO of Evil Corp. Uh, for for you to know that, like, these people have not been drawn into these circumstances by accident. Um, 
you know, whether you want to call that fate or you want to call that uh, design, uh, like you say, intelligent design. Um, I think that uh, both arguments would would work for me that like Elliot just ends up becoming like um, this like supercharged, uh, you know, ambassador of vengeance for what happened to his father uh, and and to put him on the path to being the, the architect of five nine. I'd be fine if that's it. But if there if there is something a little more deliberate about how he became who he's become, uh, and if White Rose had a more deliberate hand in that, I think that the that the deck is set again. Like I think that the language is there here on Mister Robot. Um, I would not be mad about that at all, and mad about you with Paul Reiser. Sometimes uh, the show really, I think, goes out of its way to put in our heads that this was some this were these were things that these people experienced on their own uh, i'm thinking of like when darlene uh, confronts madam executioner uh, she tells her i remember seeing you smile in the courtroom when we were trying to deal with this lawsuit uh, and you know my father had died and there was this huge leak and you were smiling about it you were happy uh, and darlene has that seed planted in her from four years old i think darlene says she was four uh, and she kills uh, madam executioner knowing i think knowing uh, it's not clear on the show, but the show strongly pushes you in the direction that Darlene knew that by giving her that buzz with the stun gun, uh, that, that Sharon, uh, that the Madam Executioner would die. So, yeah, Darlene, I, think, I think it's not. Yeah, yeah, I think she just straight up executed Madam Executioner. Yeah, she executed Madam Executioner, knew what would happen and knew what would happen and had been wanting to do it since she was four years old. Right. Didn't have a lot of remorse about it. Uh, wasn't very sad about it. So this is something that I, I, I think the show has said, you know, in that regard, that doesn't seem like something that was imprinted in her or designed in her. That's something where she watched this thing happen. She had a negative feeling about this woman from the time she was four years old, finally got the opportunity to target her targeted her and took her down that seems pretty clear as a, as far as a through line but i think there are other ways where things are are not as clear and i think what we see throughout is that the dark army has always had a hand in the events where we don't have clarity i'm thinking about where we don't know we one of the big mysteries uh, that elliot was asking about throughout the course of season two is there's a three-day period after the five nine hack and then elliot wakes up in a car and we were wondering what happened to tyrell that is a huge question elliot is asking mr robot throughout the course of season two we don't find out until season three what happened with tyrell in those three days we see this scene with irving showing up right after the hack. And Irving basically saying to Tyrell, you're going to be wanted for this. We got to take you off the board. You're going to do what I say. That's what leads Tyrell to upstate New York, Josh. Uh, that's what's lead Tyrell to grow a beard. Uh, we weren't going to talk about that. Where were we? <laughs> My bad. It's been a My long apologies. time. You forgot the rules. It's been a while. I did forget the rules. First rule is never talk about it. Uh, but yeah, this is what ultimately leads Tyrell to do what Tyrell is doing in that we see in season three. What we don't know is what happened to Elliot in the three days after the hack? I don't know if it matters. It could be that he was just sleeping in Tyrell's car, which is where we find him three days later. But he is in full on Mr. Robot mode uh, when the Dark Army, when Irving and the Dark Army agents show up at the arcade and take uh, Tyrell away. So what did Mr. Robot do over the course of those three days? Did Elliot just sleep in the car? Does it matter, Josh? Or is this something you think there could be something interesting in if we wanted to revisit that in season four? There could definitely be there could definitely be some there there. I don't think there has 
has to be. Um, but I think that we have seen Mr. Robot make um, make really lavish meals out of ingredients you didn't even think were in the cupboard. Like going back to moments that you just didn't expect them to continue. Uh, I think about um, uh, when it's revealed that Tyrell's even alive, that Elliot didn't kill him after all, heading into the season two finale. And it plays out the rest of that uh, clandestine meeting between Mr. Robot and Tyrell in Coney Island when they're in the car together. The red and wheelbarrow. Right. And the first time it's just Christian Slater. But then on the replay, you're seeing it with Rami Malek playing out the Mr. Robot side of that. And he gets out of the car and the scene continues. There have been moments like that along the way on Mr. Robot. So could we could we go back to that in the final season? Could there be something very crucial that Mr. Robot did in that time? Sure. But I feel like where we've landed with the Mr. Robot side of Elliot as of the season three finale, I really hope we don't backpedal from too much because I think we've made really great progress. And I feel like that relationship has really evolved to a high point um, that these two seem to like finally be able to, to talk to each other on the same level again, that they're in the they're in a place of like authentically feeling like they can rebuild trust in one another and maybe we can work together. So I think for there to like then be like some moment in the final season where we go back and Mr. Robot did something really, really bad that Elliot does not yet know about. And then Mr. Robot has to like go into hiding again or they got to fight each other in some stupid chess match, uh, you know, once again. Like, I think that that would, that would be tough for me. Um, something that would work for me would be like, if a piece of the puzzle fell into place where Mr. Robot's like, oh my God, okay, so now that we're just talking and like everything, like cards are on the table. So you know how like you don't remember things from those three days uh, after you executed the hack? There's like something really critically important that happened there that I should fill you in on. That yeah. I would be on board with. Like I think that would work for me. So uh, that was on my list to talk about as well. Just wondering if you were comfortable overall with the, uh, there's a part of me and you, and there's a part of you and me, Truce, that Elliot and Mr. Robot have the reintegration, if yeah. you will, the theme of season three. What do you, is there a next step or is this final season step with Elliot and Robot just, we're on the same team, we work together now, that's that? I think that the trailers have kind of, uh, and I don't want to get too deep into them for people who haven't watched, but I think that the trailers have maybe given a little bit of an indication of, of where we may be going with some of that. Uh, I think something like the tone of the interactions that you see in the, in the season four trailers between Elliot and Robot suggests to me what like the next step of that, um, evolution could be. But I think just sort of generally, uh, in the progression of Elliot and Robot, They've lied to each other a lot along the way. And there have certainly been moments where like they have, uh, you know, gone one step forward only to go a million steps back. Um, I just think that we've done that. And, and even, even though there is a, a history of deception between these two, I felt like emotionally where we landed in season three felt really authentic to me. Uh, you know, the way in which Mr. Robot says, like, no matter what happens from here, I want us to keep talking. I want to be a part of each other's lives. I don't want to just disappear. I buy that. I buy that at this point. And I know that I've said in the past uh, that, you know, Mr. Robot has always struck me as like the really fiercely militant person uh, within Elliot, the part of him um, that would that would rather die than than abandon the plan. Um, and I think that the needle has shifted on that for me a bit, uh, especially in the rewatch and, and seeing the moments where Mr. Robot really does seem to care about Elliot as like his only friend. Because he doesn't really have anybody else to talk to, to talk to uh, other than when he's getting to like uh, Peacock as. 
as Elliot. Um, so I, I hope that they are friends. I hope, I hope that the partnership is on the level because I actually don't think that we have seen a ton of it on Mr. Robot before. Right. Uh, so, so I think that this is new material that you can get into to see these two working in concert with one another, uh, would be, would be great and new for me. And maybe somewhere along the way in season four, we can find ways to jeopardize that, that are, that are new and unique. Um, but I think at the expense of like betraying each other once again, uh, it just feels like too far at this point. That's interesting. I would say it might, in my mind, it would be a mistake for Elliot to just flat out trust Mr. Robot at this point. But I, I understand and completely sympathize in a way. Like I feel what you're feeling. It, I think this might be a circumstance where my non-traditional rewatch has impacted me a little bit because one of the last things I saw of Mr. Robot in season one, uh, besides him and Elliot being at total loggerheads at the very end of the season was uh, Mr. Alderson at his own grave as Mr. Robot, as Mr. Alderson at his own grave pleading, they're going to try to take me away from you. Please don't let them do that. Please don't let me go away. And it's basically, it's a different version of the speech where he says, we're going to be part of each other's lives. Let's always talk, but it's the same kind of, plea where it's like let's not fade apart don't let me go away and i do think that comes from a place where yeah elliot wants to exist with mr robot he wants to manifest his father and there is this part of mr robot that lets elliot have cover for being a little more chaotic to be a little more unbridled like we've talked about even if he's his id if he's not unbridled, as we've talked about throughout, then maybe it's still functional and maybe we can see what that looks like in season four. I just think it's a mistake to think that a person like Elliot, who has a verifiable, diagnosable medical condition with these personalities, uh, can get to a point where he can just have this one under control and that there's going to be no negative side effects. I'm not, I know that's not what you're saying, but I, I do wonder if the show will, will get into that at all or if we're out of truce and that's just that yeah. and we're good to progress from there. Well, I, I, um, th- I think I think that one of the things thematically that could be compelling is uh, if if we're on the path of reintegration, could there be um, you know could the next thing just be actualization, uh, and could the next thing be uh, you know Elliot who has been. Um, resistant to like actually getting help. Yeah, he's been to therapy. Yeah, he's taken the meds. Has he has he really done the work all the time? Does he still just like kind of let himself um, you know, in engage with Mr. Robot as its own person? Is that the healthiest thing in the world? Could we see like some like dramatically enacted version of Elliot choosing to let go of all of that or like the Mr. Robot side of Elliot choosing to sacrifice itself for the greater good of Elliot. You know, like I think that there could be a dramatization of some sort of um, uh, like, go on, leave me here. I got the bomb like type of deal <laughs> with Mr. Robot. Like, I think that this is a show that could find a way to cleverly render that, um, that, that, that I could see. And I think that like ultimately could the landing point for Elliot be uh, somebody who is no longer needing to find so much um, internal connection and maybe to find out that the answer is external connection. And I I think that that has been a big piece of what Mr. Robot the series has been about, uh, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. I totally agree and understand what you're saying that like is like trusting this side of himself, the healthiest thing for a person like Elliot to be doing. Probably not. But I, I think that the way that the show emotionally handled um, the arc of Elliot and Mr. Robot, uh, if they were to regress too far away from that, I feel like it would ultimately render a lot of season three pointless. And I just don't see that happening. 
I don't. Well, the reason I don't see it happening as much uh, is the if season four really is going to take place over the course of a few days, there's just not enough room for that. Uh, and I, I will be interested to see if before the end of the season, maybe like as a coda or last twenty minutes or whatever, there is a time jump to show uh, what you're talking about with Elliot, uh, whether that is some kind of uh, actualization or whether that is him uh, finding some place where the family he has left is important to him or the real Mister robot was the friends he made along the way uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we're he gonna get to, to that point see his uh his children off on platform nine and three quarters yes, you and i yeah. get to wave goodbye to our new mobley Right, exactly. So I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I, I do think that there is room for that to happen at the end of the show without it taking place over the course of the few days that uh, ostensibly the season is meant to cover. In those few days, they pretty much have to be on the same page and are probably going to be dealing with a lot of uh, narratively driven events. I mean, that kind of time period covered in that many episodes is like 24 level territory. Just to know, I, sh- I know that's a show that's near and dear to your heart. That's not a show that has a ton of time for these chess matches so i I don't think just thematic just realistically with the way the series is being set up i don't know that we have a lot of room for that i'm just not fully on board with accepting it as fact but the team up is important josh and this is something i want to hit quickly uh as far as team ups you know, in season one, at the very beginning of the show, Elliot says the story is about the top 1% of the 1%. And we've seen ultimately throughout the course of the show that the hack just made them stronger with the e-coin and Bitcoin strategies, with the way they were positioned to take advantage of the financial loss in society, the way the rich always are. You know, the economy can collapse. The people that get hurt by the economy collapsing are the people like you and I. The mega rich, they just buy up all our depreciated assets and they wait for them to re- appreciate and they just get richer right and that has been the story of mr robot throughout i think my favorite part maybe my favorite moment of the whole show on our podcast is when you laugh very very hard at the hilarious observation when irving takes mr robot to show him after the events where the 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 e-corp buildings have been blown up he shows them these people these rich really rich people are partying Mm -hmm. they have nothing lost in this and mr robot's disheveled his glasses are off he's got no hat on like this is not a real guy yet why does he not have glasses glasses on it's really funny it's really funny (laughs) yeah thinking back but that's a theme that emerged right and that is why elliot undid the hack in part because it only helped the people that he was trying to combat so my question is how can if we're looking at in season four as the goal being to take those people down how can elliot even do that i almost think you have to form like an avengers team and this is a joke we made at some point but if you're going to talk about the avengers the team of people that can go together besides elliot and mr robot if if does this mean ddp even though she's a dark army agent is going to have to work with Elliot and Darlene. Right. Uh, what is Angela's role in this? What is Tyrell's role in this? What about Leon, Krista, Irving? Are these people, Philip Price, yeah. are these people all going to team up, Josh, and take down White Rose? Yeah, I, I think I, I vividly remember us talking about that and, and how much fun that would be to see on screen. And I think because it would be so fun to see on screen, I think like some version of that has to happen. Will it be as dramatic as all of those characters assembling together uh, uh, like Captain America wielding Mjolnir in a half-broken vibranium shield uh, and going up against the forces of Thanos, a.k.a. Spoiler White alert. Rose. Uh, come on, at this point. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think it'll be like that dramatic. Uh, but I think like unlikely alliances, people who are working together because they are realizing they have a common enemy here. Hi, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. A million just, percent. I think absolutely. 
absolutely. Uh, and I think like in terms of like what to target at this point, um, I think like the the whole idea of the show has been um you know the top one percent of the top one percent right and so who's that white rose probably so I think like if we're setting up the chess match and if we're looking at pieces on opposite sides of the board uh, I think that Elliot versus White Rose in some capacity is the end game material of Mr. Robot. And Philip Price has played a role in that as well. There's that great scene uh, from just the paranoia or the espionage standpoint in the rain right. when Philip Price and White Rose are talking about uh, what their goals are. And Philip I Price basically that's exactly chaos. Exactly. So we have not yet seen this chaos reigning, and we know that the actions of blowing up the buildings in Philip Price's mind were pettiness because Phil, because White Rose had to wait because White Rose had to ask for Philip Price to do these things because she had to ask twice. Like that's the level of hate between the two of them but philip price is part of that one percent of the one percent so it is an unlikely pairing i do just want to hear philip price say to elliot on your left can we have that <laughs> yeah i think we can, can we just have that let's let's take philip price leftward that would be great uh, no great. so i i'm i'm looking forward to that as well uh i think you can uh, your mileage may vary on who might be on that team uh, whether we can flip people like leon and irving uh or whether terry or colby they got to bring the challenge beast into the mix <laughs> the last honest man terry colby i mean if he goes into like a one-on-one fight with someone he could just like stuff something in that person's mouth and i knew where you were fight. going with that yeah, yeah. i was so you, you did it much more elegantly than i was going Fit to him in. so there we go. Uh, there is a great scene in season three, episode nine, when Elliot as Mr. Robot has gone to confront Tyrell and basically he's talking shit about Joanna and well, it gets the blue murder gloves out and is, is choking out Mr. Robot. And then Philip Price just shows up and Mr. Robot, Elliot as Mr. Robot sees him and says, holy shit. Like he's even, he's just like the presence of Philip Price puts Mr. Robot into this mode where he's gobsmacked. And then Elliot says, I did this. It was mine. It was my revolution. And Philip Price says, your leader, act like one. We're yeah. your followers. Inspire. You can't force an agenda. Inspire. I think that I've got a pin in that scene as something I want to see play out for sure in the context of season four. And I think the opportunity for Price and Elliot to work together has been planted significantly by the yeah, show. I agree. I think that like that idea of like inspire people to follow you, uh, uh, means like how do you convince people who would feel like it is really not in their interest to work with you to work with you uh philip price would be top of the mind example of that right like right. how do you convince how does elliot convince philip price that it's in philip price's best interest to work with elliot uh would be a fascinating thing to to see ddp even in these circumstances dom like she has a lot of reasons to be upset with the aldersons and she's just been she recruited. hates darlene hates yeah, her she's just been recruited into the dark army at this point and so she is you know and at, on on fear of pain of, of excruciating death for the ones that she loves death. how how could she how could she be inspired to follow a leader like Elliot when the stakes for her aren't just her own life but the lives of like her nieces and nephews you know like how does she get inspired to do that so I think to see Elliot become, um, you know, a revolutionary again and one that can inspire not just like the like minded people, um, but the people that would not on any given Wednesday of the week be inspired to like go sit down at Rohit's coffee with him, uh, you know, I think would be would be really fun to see. And I think a great challenge that stands before the final season of Mr. Robot. 
They have great internet there at the coffee shop. Um, I just want a couple quick hits here then before we wrap up. Uh, season one, F Society. Season two, F God. Season three, F Me. Season four, F You. What do we want? Do we want, is there a particular F we'd like to see? Yeah. What is, what does F You mean in your mind? Like if it's, if it's F, F Society is pretty clear. And then F God is the idea of like, you know, screw the man above. F Me is like, oh my God, what have I done? Uh, what does F You stand for in your mind? Like what would that leave? us with here in the fourth season that's tough i mean our expectations are probably the only thing we have to go on or elliot the show only exists because elliot essentially is telling us that's the that's that it doesn't exist in that way because we see things elliot is not seeing but elliot is able to control our reality and elliot is able to shut us out when he wants to i i wonder if uh, if it could end in some way of elliot basically saying like i don't need to talk to you anymore i have real friends or i created you and now i can destroy you i i wonder if the show could play with that a little bit uh, it doesn't have to be f you uh it could be it could be f something else i just i do wonder if if there is an F theme for this season, because there has been Elliot gives the huge F God speech in therapy in season two. Uh, so it's right there in the show. And the F me speech is given at the beginning of season three. So I'm wondering if there is an F something speech at the beginning of season four. And maybe it's F white rose. Like maybe that's all it is, but I think F something uh, is gotta be a theme for this season or it doesn't have to be, but it certainly would be in keeping with the previous season. Well, I think the, the F you just, just makes me feel um, just, just makes me start thinking about the fact that you're you're right like Mr. Robot as a story is being told to us or or so much of of Elliot's life is being told to us directly from him uh that we have been drawn into the story to to some degree i wonder how literally the show ends up taking that um we've been invited to to help solve the case in the past on Mr. Robot there's been really fun uh ARG components to to Mr. Robot you know alternate reality game stuff that you can do and uh have fun with online like decoding all of these different little easter eggs that are baked across the internet um but as literally and as specific to the series itself as in that moment in season two where the camera crawls all over elliot's apartment and he's like do you see something that i don't is there something that i'm missing um or something that's you know still fairly overt but not quite as overt as that going all the way back to the first season of elliot when he realizes that he and mr robot are one and the same he's talking to us uh, he says how long have you known did you know this whole time? Uh, there have been the times where uh, I think it was even before that, right? Like when he finds out that Darlene is his sister uh, and he's on the subway ride back home. And then he suddenly starts like his eyes, like his, his in- yeah. interior monologue is going nuclear and his eyes suddenly shift into the dead heart of the camera and looking right at us. He's like, did you know? Did you know the whole time? And he like grabs the camera. He's like grabbing our face. So my question, less about the FU, is um, are we a character? Like, what does that look like if we are? Are we somebody that is uh, essential to the mythology of Mr. Robot? And who are it's we? It's a good if we question. Are? And if we are, can we be effed? I think that's the other question. Like, if we're sentient, can we can we be effed? So it, it will be fascinating to see if we're the ones that are on uh, in the crosshairs, or if it's someone else. But I know that sounds I think there's bad shit be crazy. Theme. But and I promise, I'm no. sober, guys. Like. <laughs> Are you legitimately yeah, sober? Yeah, you haven't been, you haven't been drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm like very clean. Little known fact. Uh, but like, I feel like with a, with a show like this, uh, I, I think that that is, that is something that is worth asking. It's like, do we have a role in this? And if so, thematically, what does that say? And I think thematically, it would be very on point. Like, 
yeah, we're we're as responsible as anybody for creating the world and the mess that we're in. Uh, yes. How do we fix it? F you for putting us here. Right. Uh, could be very interesting to explore that. I, I'm I'm hoping for that. Speaking of uh, one, two, three, four, season one, Ollie the douche. Season two, we see Ollie trying to record Angela. <laughs> season three, we have an Ollie reference with Elliot wearing the Josh Groban sweatshirt. I think the show has outgrown Ollie such that we only have him as a reference in season three. Are we going to get any Ollie in season four? I hope not. I hope not. I'd, I'd be fine to have just moved on completely from uh, Ollie at this point. I hope someone's reading a newspaper and you just see his obituary. That'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I'm sure the actor is a totally nice human being, so no disrespect, but uh, the character was just such a, such a douche. Uh, it, it, it's so crazy to watch season one after watching the, the other seasons and seeing him. You're like, this this guy doesn't belong on this show anymore. This is a different show than this guy was on. So I, I do think just as a running gag, we I hope we have some sort of nod to this idiot. But that's all we need. Uh, one final thing, Josh. Well, two final things. One, people who have died. I went over it. Gideon Romero, Mobley, Trenton, Joanna, Cisco, Shayla, Grant, Madam Executioner, Sharon Knowles, Santiago, to say nothing of Mr. Alderson and Mrs. Moss. As there is there some point if we lose is there a character could it be darlene angela elliot if we lose that character are you going to actually actively root for white rose to win and find a way to make deletion not always permanent or is yeah. that not something you'll ever root for no i mean i, th- I think that that's something we've talked about before right yeah you, you, you joked have- about it with mobley yeah no totally but but i think that that's i think that that's one of the things that the show has um has been doing fairly artfully and I think can continue to do because like the fact is that everybody has their own favorite sets of side characters outside of the immediate circle of Elliot and Mr. Robot. Uh, so you lose any one of them. And if you're suddenly presented with a compelling pitch for how to bring them back, like you're at least going to be like partly curious to see if that's possible. Is there a flash sideways universe here? Is right. there a church where they all could be assembled? Sam Esmail is there. Sam Esmail loves lost. So you never know. Uh, so say we all to quote a different show that he's uh, now intertwined with uh which is great by the way um i i think it's i think it's possible i just i don't know who specifically but yeah i mean look if like if like darlene like we'd been so panicked about darlene throughout season three like if something terrible happens to her like and then like white rose says like i can bring her back uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna be very compelled to see that storyline through to the finish um i i think ultimately uh, because these are not real people and this is just a show and it's a show that I could go back and rewatch as many times as I want. Um, my preference for where it would land would still be that bringing them back literally isn't possible. I know we talk a lot about like time travel and alternate realities and stuff. Um, if there's something maybe like a little uh, more grounded in reality, like if there's like some kind of like matrixy scenario like something that's a little more vr like a little more plugged in and that's like the version of the next stage of human evolution is like some like san junipiero is did i pronounce that right the black mirror of it all like, close it, enough <laughs> sorry uh, like if there's something closer to that like that could that could maybe be something that i would buy a little bit more in terms of like we can bring them back we can reunite everybody um but I'd, I'd, I'd at least be, you know, what I'd really be interested in is seeing the scenario where Elliot is rooting for it. That's what that that would be amazing to me. Uh, if if Mister Robot can get us into a place where Elliot is rooting for White Rose's project, and if that actually Antonio is the divide between Elliot and Mister Robot again. Uh, where one half of Elliot really wants White Rose to succeed all of a sudden and the other half does not, 
That's very compelling to me. And that's a new reason to split those two people apart again. Great idea. Yeah. And I, I think that you're saying something I hadn't even thought about. And it's fascinating to me. The idea, I'm very moved by that idea. I'm not crying, but I'm close to it. So that would be awesome. Uh, and I, I asked that question because I knew that you would have some take on it. I'm not sure where I'm at with it. Uh, I'm not sure. Darlene's the one I, I've been worried about. And I remain worried about I'd be really upset if anything happened to Darlene. She's yeah, the best. I'd, I don't want to see that happen either. She's been and through enough. <laughs> I have a feeling if that did happen, uh, that I would say, you know what? I'm all in. Let, let, let's, White Rose needs to win. Like, White Rose needs to win. I'd love to know why she's doing this, but I, I, she needs to win at this point. And I don't even care if the show goes off the rails and we do this. Let's bring our people back. Let's bring our people home. So it's interesting, though, because I think the character that in season one we would have said, can, if we could erase this, could we, is Shayla. We have a chance to revisit, and this is the last thing I want to hit because it was the post credit scene in season three at the end of season three fernando vera the drug dealer slash kingpin uh, if you will i don't know how big time he was uh, who elliot ultimately got in jail and then removed from jail uh, through hacking at the middle in the middle of season one who was responsible for the death of shayla the the person i think to whom elliot connected the most quickly and the most clearly in many respects um, that he had the most personal connection with on some level because he understood the maze she built around herself and he saw a lot of his own life in the way she was living her life. She was taken off the board and killed in a horrible moment. Uh, one of the most stunning moments of the series. Now her killer is right back in the show. How much are we going to see Vera, Josh? Is this a multi-episode character or you think he's a one and done or do you see some greater role he can play in this story? Um, I I think it's interesting. I, I There's such... There, there's there's 13 episodes of Mr. Robot remaining, but only five days of story time remaining. How much, how much Fernando Vera can we actually get? Um, and, and why, why do we need this? And, and I think I, I've, I've meditated on this a little bit. And I think like maybe the why of it is to pull Elliot back into the trenches to some degree, right? To like be a little bit reminded of like the immediate real world consequences of his actions that have occurred, to remind him of the immediate real world scores he has to settle. I think as far as the the differences between a Fernando Vera and a White Rose, um, I mean, that's like a highbrow, lowbrow bad guy, right? Like I think that that's kind of fun. Uh, and if you're thinking of the Avengers assembling, then how about... Uh, uh, the you know the 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 uh, the thunderbolts of it all like who you know who are like the the who's like the suicide squad who's like the the bad crew that can that can get together uh, and and do some damage to Elliot and could there be like a universe where White Rose has a use for Fernando Vera uh, you know Fernando Vera who had been able to like fairly clandestinely piece together that Elliot was the reason he was in jail uh, the way that Fernando Vera has talked about um about life and death and the universe in such highfalutin ways that this person is a very big thinker is there something thematic to express in somebody as nihilistic in in many ways as fernando vera as somebody as callous and cold as fernando vera um being drawn into the bigger meat of the story i think maybe uh, I, I don't fully see it yet, um, but 13 episodes is a lot of time uh, to, to show me something and convince me of it fully. Certainly a lot more than 20 minutes uh, after playing The Land of Ecodelia! 
Uh, so I, I, I think it could be interesting. I think it could be interesting. And I'm, I'm, I love that character. I love that actor. And I think that Fernando Vera, uh, being back in the universe is fascinating. And I, I just don't, I don't know what it means yet. Um, but I'm, I'm here to find out. I'm totally hyped to find out. I'm hyped to find out too. I am curious. Darlene crossed the line and murdered Madam Executioner as we talked about, but I'm wondering, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain to find out, to think of to myself, did Elliot as, as Elliot, he's never directly harmed anyone like that, right? Like nothing, nothing comes to mind where Elliot has murdered someone or Elliot has violently harmed someone directly uh, as a result of his own animus or as a result of his own negativity or malfeasance. I'm just, I'm wondering if there is the guy, um, does, does Vera showing up cause Elliot? Does Elliot murder him? And does that take Elliot to a darker place in his world? I don't know. Um, that to me is what it, re- it represents. This it represents something that Elliot maybe is, is going to send. Like you said, it gets him back in the arena. But when you said that and you get his hands dirty, to me that means like take him off the board entirely. Right. And if that's the case, that fundamentally changes the, the character we know of as Elliot, especially if he does it as Elliot and not as Mister Robot. So that that could be part of what's happening here. I, I hope maybe that doesn't happen, but I could see it happening. And that's something that uh, with Vera being in the game, the other thing is it'll just be a distraction. And if you're talking about a, a few days span of a season, that's a kind of distraction you don't need. So I don't think he'll last long regardless. I don't see what other role he can play over the course of the story. If you're building this Avengers team, this guy you can't put on the team. Shayla is dead because of this guy. Like this guy does not belong on the team. Point blank in the period. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right, except if it's like uh, I, I I know that there is a there's a good example of this that is like right on the tip of my tongue, and I'm having a hard time seizing exactly what it is. Um, but where like you work with somebody who you have been fighting to the death with for the entire movie, uh, because like you are it, you like you can tr- it's. I mean, it's kind of in a in a survivor way, right? Like it's like you're you're aligning with somebody that you've been playing the game against the whole game because you now know that you are facing a much bigger threat than either of you and you can't trust each other and you can trust that you can't trust each other but you could also trust that it's in each other's best interest to take down the bigger threat right now but you're both keeping one eye on the opportunity to like bail the parachute out first right like i i feel like there's a there's a really good like fictional example of that that i am i am whiffing on right now but i can imagine that scenario where there may be something that fernando vera has hold of um that makes him um important to work with for elliot to a point um, like a, a very specific reason. Like, I mean, frankly, uh, the last thing that we saw Fernando Vera was going up to Darlene. So if like Fernando Vera kidnaps Darlene and is like, I have Darlene and you, Elliot, need to work with me on whatever it is you're working on. Otherwise, we're just going to repeat the Shayla thing again. Now, suddenly Elliot has to work with Fernando to a point. Um, could something like that happening? Like, is Fernando Vera going to be able to buy his way into Elliot's Avengers squad through some similar means? I think that that's on the table. Well, and the one thing I will say in, in, in pursuance of what you're saying is I, in the post five, nine world where things went to shit and it was a barter economy and the economy fell apart and things were harder to get a hold of. And maybe then you restore that or you don't, but 
the pers- the kind of people that could have really preyed on people and made money in that world, in that black market kind of world. Fernando Vera is that guy. Um, his brother was allegedly his quote unquote mastermind and his brother was killed in that same episode where Fernando was freed from jail. So I don't know what his business mind is, but I can foresee a circumstance where he comes back into the story flush with cash, uh, maybe flush with some kind flush of network. With with cash. Cash. Yes, that's what you couldn't think of. It was Parks and Recreation. That's it. That's um, the, uh, yeah, I could see a scenario where he comes back into the story ready uh, and, and able to help Elliot. Maybe he's got a lot of foot soldiers, for example. Maybe he's built up some larger network. Maybe his muscle is needed to some extent to take on the muscle of the Dark Army, which is cer- certainly something that's missing if you're talking about from a Super Friends or from an Avengers standpoint. The muscle is missing from that Elliot team. Uh, the Dark Army has a hit squad and has people that are willing to die for the cause. What does Elliot's side have in that kind of uh, pitched battle? They don't have that. Maybe that's what Vera's bring, Vera brings to the table, but we're going to have to fill in the blanks a lot on what Vera has been up to since he's been gone. Uh, and even then, I just, I got to feel like this is the guy that killed Shayla. Whether you're able to put your, your hatred aside or not, I, I don't know how you remove that from the board. So I will be very interested to see how that plays out. Josh, we've went a little longer than we intended here. Anything else you want to hit? No, I'm so hyped that this show is back. And just like even getting back into the groove of talking it through. This is one of my favorite shows to talk about with you. Uh, and I, we've, we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from a lot of people who are really excited that the podcast is coming back, that the show is coming back. Antonio, that Mr. Robot is going to be like a major part of our lives for the next like two or three months at this point. It's incredible. I'm already yeah. feeling the holiday spirit. <laughs> it's great. They're doing a great countdown uh, at USA. You can follow the Mr. Yes. Robot Twitter account. Every day they put out some new, either it's a leak scene from the premiere from the season or some like pictures or images or behind the scenes stuff. You can click on the Christmas ornament every day at noon Eastern. They put out a new one. So recommend you check that out if you're feeling the Christmas spirit as well. I just want Josh. I just want a Mr. Robot Christmas ornament. I collect Christmas ornaments. I'd love to have one. I hope they give one That's away at some exist. point or That's sell one. Exist. That's yeah. got to exist. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we can make that happy. All right. We are going to be talking about Mr. Robot every single week for the next several weeks as we are covering the final season of this spectacular show. We want your feedback. You can tweet at us. I'm at Round Howard. Antonio is at AC Mazar with two Z's, one R. Definitely tag at Post Show Recaps as well. We have an email address, Mr. Robot, mrrobot at postshowrecaps.com. I think maybe a couple of issues with the email address right now. I'm going to look into that. Maybe we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll get our son, Mobley, looking into uh, the IT issues that we're oh, experiencing yeah. with that email address. But that will be up and running as well. We also have our feedback form that you can use, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. And we will be addressing your feedback all season long throughout our podcast. We'll make sure to stop down and do a dedicated feedback podcast along the way. In the spirit of, of feedback, I know that you went back and you listened to the the podcast and how, how many great instances of feedback we had had along the way from so many people. I feel like I want to do a special shout out to, to the late, great Dom Malpietti, uh, who was uh, one, of, one of the most prolific contributors of feedback to the Mr. Robot podcast along the way. We lost Dom uh, shortly after Season 3 of Mr. Robot in, in 2018. And I know that he is. Uh, he would. He would be very, very in the tank with us along for the ride here. Uh, was such a fantastic contributor to everything that we were talking about in our previous Mister Robot podcast. And I, I wish. I wish like hell he were here to to close out this final season with us. And just want to give him a quick shout out before we close out for this first preview podcast. That's really great. When I was going back and listening to 
the podcast. Uh, I was just taken aback by how much feedback that Dom sent. And not only that, but how valuable it was so much of the time. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of in the, in the, after the stage two parter, uh, after all the people died, after the horrible events, um, we started the show in, in, in talking about that with a funny question, uh, that Dom had sent in knowing, uh, that we needed some, a palate cleanse, uh, just joking about, uh, something from the show. And that it's just so valuable, so vital, uh, so necessary to what we do. Dom is certainly not the only person uh, who submitted feedback to us along the way that we appreciate, but uh, Dom is front of mind for me as we contribute and as we as we push forward with season four. I'll be thinking about Dom and the feedback that Dom sent throughout, um, and i am be thankful for the feedback that everyone else sends. Uh, this show is a labor of love. Uh, we put it together. We like talking to each other, Josh, uh, but just like with us watching Elliot, uh, it would not exist without uh, the people that are listening. So, um, it's it's not 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 a problem to be reminded of that, uh, but it is something that we think about, uh, and we certainly miss Dom, and we'll be thinking about him throughout the course of season four for sure. All right, so a toast to you, Dom. A toast to all of you who are making this podcast possible. We cannot wait to start getting into all of it with you as this action-packed, festive, snow-strewn winter holiday special extends across the next 12, 13, something like that weeks of our lives bundle up it's about to get a uh, it's about to get cold and i'm gonna start playing christmas music after this I, good. I love christmas music by the way so I'm, i i know not everybody does in <laughs> fact some people hate christmas music including my wife uh i love it so i i'm hoping <laughs> that i hope that there are so many christmas carols all season long because i'm going to be very very happy if that's the case but yours was a jewish household i am a jewish person but i am a <laughs> jewish person of a of a jewish father and a christian mother so i have a lot of christmas in my life and in huh. fact i believe that that means uh, i'm a bar mitzvah christian i'm very religiously uh confused uh but i but i but i but i love i love christmas music so 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 much uh so the fact that we're going to be able to talk about christmas for the next several weeks i think it's just going to be fantastic antonio i Hell cannot yeah. wait i Hell can't yeah, wait me too. i me can't too. wait all right subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already post show recaps.com slash mr robot itunes for our apple feed but we are everywhere wherever you listen to your podcast you can find the mr robot feed specifically of post show recaps you can also subscribe to our main feed because we're doing other stuff as antonio mentioned the succession podcast continues forward we are very close to the end of the line on season two of hbo's succession jessica lease and i are getting started talking about walking dead season 10 we've got a preview podcast dropping in your feeds very very soon and of course mike Bloom and I are still all the way down the hatch in the early days of Lost, our full spoiler-filled rewatch of that great show. So post-show recaps is absolutely popping right now, uh, and we are so thrilled to have you all along for the ride. We will be back uh, shortly after the Mr. Robot final season premiere on October 6th with a full deep dive into all of the insane things that are sure to happen in that episode. Until then, goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends.